Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Zach from Denver Stiffs. Hey, I want to tell you guys about what's going on this Tuesday night down at the Blake Street Tavern. That's 2301 Blake Street. We're doing a Stiff's Night Out. Uh, if you're not familiar with Stiff's Night Out, what we do is we get a bunch of you guys together, all these Denver Nuggets fans. We'll be watching them take on the Pelicans, still hoping that they might be a shot at making the playoffs. Uh, they're going to be doing drink specials, $6.24 ounce Bud or Bud Lights. Uh, we'll be giving away some gift certific- certificates, some other prizes. So you guys want to come on and check us out. It's going to be a really fun time. Going on basically from about uh, 6 p.m. till you know about a half hour after the game ends. Down at, like I said, at the Blake Street Tavern, 2301 Blake Street. Uh, hope to see you guys down there. He's got Boudier. Boudier. Recording live from Jake's Sports and Spirits in the historic Rhino District of Denver, Colorado, it's the Pickaxe Podcast, presented by Denver Stiffs. All right, everybody, what's up, and uh, welcome to the Pickaxe Podcast. We are back once again. We are sadly... We'll talk about this just a second. We're sadly not recording live at Jake Sports and Spirits. We are uh, doing a remote podcast. So today I have, uh, once again, Gordon Gross uh, from the comfort of Colorado Springs. Gordon, what's going on, buddy? Not much. Just, you know, staying warm. It is very uh, snowy outside, so. I was going to say, because it's not where I'm at. I'm up in uh, northern Colorado, and it's not quite – it's not quite snowing or anything. It's just really foggy and dreary. Um, then also, of course, joining us, someone who has none of these problems from, from sunny California, <laughs> Mr. Mike Olson. Mike, what's going on? Hey, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, it is, it's, uh, it's a little bit nicer than all of that. As somebody who grew up in northern Colorado, um, I, I can vouch for today's, uh, yet again, 80s and sunny. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Come, come pay a visit. Yeah. Come pay a visit. <laughs> so... Uh, we, we should do that. I don't, um, it's too bad. The Nuggets don't, I don't think they have any more, they don't have any more games now against the, uh, against the, the California teams. They, they wrapped up their LA games really early on this season, actually. It was, uh, yeah. it was clear back December or January when, uh, the last swing through for the Nuggets was. So, yeah, they, I, I, I need to petition to get that changed a little bit. I need, I need a little more Nuggets time in my, in my life out here. You know, actually, though, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily mind that because that means you get, uh, or we get, to, if we want to take a trip to see a Nuggets road game, we can go in the in the dead of winter here in Colorado. We can go check out L.A. So, absolutely, we uh, did. Uh, I'm not going to sign your petition, is what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, couple couple years back, we did a stiff night out uh, west, and uh, a couple folks came from from all over the place. So it was it was a blast. We should definitely set something like that up again. Nice, yeah, absolutely, and. Uh, that's a, that actually sets up to a perfect little segue here. So we're actually, as you guys probably heard on the, or you heard the promo uh, on the open, we're doing the 
uh, Stiff's Night Out here down at the Blake Street Tavern, um, April 4th, which is this Tuesday. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're partnering with 5280 Sports Network, so it should be, uh, there'll be lots of Stiff's writers there. Um, I'm sure there'll be some probably some raffle prizes, stuff like that. So uh, make sure to check it out. And the reason, one of the reasons we're doing it, or the reason we're doing it at the Blake Street Tavern this year, usually we do it over at, uh, at Jake Sports and Spirits, where we also record this podcast um, several times. Colorado Sports guys will record over there. Uh, we are sad to say that that Jake's is uh, is going through a little bit a little bit of a change. It's actually going to become a beer garden, which is awesome. Um, but in order to do that, obviously they're gonna they're gonna have new op, new operators and uh, and doing some renovations. So no more no more recording at Jake's. I will uh, I will always remember the wings, Gordon. What uh, what's your favorite memory? Uh, favorite memory is probably still the draft. The draft that was fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, draft nights are everybody's because everybody's filled with hope, right? They're all excited and optimist, or optimistic. Um, Mike, did you ever make it out to Jake's when you've been out here in Colorado? I've I've uh, been to Jake's three times now um, for a couple of stiffs nights out, and then um, I was actually able to make it a couple years ago for um, a, a daytime event and. Uh, Got to got to hang with Andy a little bit over there. So yeah, I will I will miss the spot. Only there a few times, but um, some great memories of uh, my early life with Stiffs, and it was it was really cool. It's going to be sad to see it go. Yeah, absolutely, we'll have to we'll have to try and convince the new um, the new uh, operators of the of the beer garden to let us still maybe let us still record there. Let's see if we can get them. Uh, Get them to maybe they'll even buy us lunch. Andy'd always buy us lunch, which is the best part about recording the podcast. This is yeah. See, Zach is hungry all the time. That's really why he's exactly. upset. Exactly. Zach's say, like, but I can eat some food right now while I'm talking about nuggets. So where's Jake's at? You, I'm you, trying to get I'm, you two in a beer garden. I, I worry about the end of the show. I think the beginning of the show is going to be fantastic. The end, I, I think, might be a little <laughs> bit sloppy by the time it's all done. That's, that's when we'll, when we'll have the hottest takes. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll, uh, we'll we'll get into actually talking some basketball here. And I want to. So we last time we recorded was right before that Pelicans game. And I, it was almost so long ago. I don't even know. I really don't want to touch on it um, too long. But I'll just say real quick. Uh, it kind of I thought was like the start of the uh, of this disappointing streak. This whole week. This is gonna be a very dark podcast. Everything was uh, everything was kind of. <laughs> Bad news, uh, and it starts. So it starts with that game against Pelicans. The Nuggets just failed to show up. Um, Gordon, do you think uh, was it uh, Harbinger? I guess of, of things to come. Apparently, it was. I I wasn't necessarily assuming that at the time, but yeah, apparently they just decided uh, it's time to pack it in for the season. Exactly. Yeah, that's and that's kind of well, and it's so weird because they were, um, you know, at that point they were right there. They were still in the eight seed actually at the time. They just they just completely came out flat. Um, they did all like seem when, optimistic about the Portland game, though. I mean, even after that game, everybody in the locker room said that that's what they were looking forward to. Right. You know, that's where they wanted to be, and yeah. so they looked forward to the to the Portland game, and then they they didn't pull that one off either. So, yeah. So I guess like let's let's just dive right into that one because that was the juicy one, right? The, the big time. Everybody thought it was a must win game and a matchup with. Portland, the Nuggets end up losing it. They kind of kind of lose it there in the third quarter. Um, Mike, what were your what were your takeaways from that Blazers game? 
I I just uh, from that third quarter. I, I that's about the time I started cursing. Um, I I am still <laughs> a huge uh, Yusuf Nurkic fan, um, but but man, uh, it's it's. It reminded me a lot of, uh, as a kid growing up and watching somebody who had been on your team who was a bit of a uh, pot stirrer who you loved when they were on your team and then they go to somebody else and you watch them do it back to you and you think, oh man, that, uh, that hurts. It was, that was, that was tough. Um, I, they, they played a great game. They had a few letdowns along the way. You could see how much Portland wanted the game as well and, uh, and more power to them, uh, for that win. But, yeah, honestly, um, just as you said, Zach, this last week in general, um, I had bought so much into, uh, you know, Coach Malone coming out after the that last game where they'd won six out of eight, and even saying, you know, and we were even close with Houston, and I was like, yeah, this is we are we are rolling, and we are going to go out strong out of the end of this year, no matter how this year goes. And you get three games further down the road every last one of them very winnable games and and man um it was a very different message uh post game portland and post game last night yeah no absolutely and i thought um, you're right because it was they man they, they had like and they had had the 8 seed for so long right they they'd been in that position portland had always kind of been behind them and it just slowly started creeping and getting closer and closer and the next thing you know uh, you get into this situation where where they were they were right there they they control their own destiny um, and they kind of fall flat on their face it was uh, <sighs> it was depressing is really what it is but uh, you know well, and part of the problem I mean part of the problem that they had was um, you think about the people who were injured during some of those games for the two Houston games you know if you'd had Gallo or Chandler for either of those games the Nuggets have to win one of them. You would think, you know, if you if you'd had Barton last night, maybe they don't go on that getting blown out 10-0 to start the fourth quarter against the the Hornets. It's just been a really inconvenient, once again, injury um, spurt for the Nuggets. But this is, I mean, it's not new, so I can't be um, upset about it. It's this is what happens every year with the Nuggets is that they just aren't healthy enough to put their full complement of guys out there, and they're never healthy enough. Yeah, and, but we, so but kind of what's interesting is you could also make the, uh, the argument the opposite of that if they had been healthy this whole time. I mean, how many how many pissed off veterans would they have, right? Because they're having this <laughs> this problem right now. They can't. Um, they just they have, they have too many guys. They can't play them all, and so the injuries yep. on, the, on that front have helped, right? Because there's always been all right. There's always been someone. The problem is, of course, it's not consistently. They haven't had that one injury where a guy's out for the entire season or something like that. Um, so your depth just comes right into play. Um, I don't think they, you can really be like, I'm sorry we didn't injure somebody out for the whole year, man. Right, right. But, so that, but that's it's been so it's been a major issue for them to deal with this whole season though is is trying to make all these different rotations and lineups work because it's always this guy's out for two weeks or that guy's out for for a couple of games. Um, and I, I don't get back I, to what Mike was talking about though, real quick there with with Yusuf Nurkic, um, because he scores a career high. It was we all talked about it last week when I was on the podcast with uh, with, with Dan and Ashley. Um, we all talked about how how if Nurkic got rolling in the beginning of the game, uh, he was gonna. There was a good chance he might have a big night, and that's kind of exactly what happened. Um, then you know, and then he makes he makes the comment at the end. We talked about it in our roundtable about uh, you know, and those guys. I hope those guys have a good summer referencing the Nuggets. And it's just kind of his classic Nurkic, really, when you think about it. Um, 
But yep. then we hear the news last night, which I think is really the most interesting part about this. Um, Gordon, what do you think? You hear Yusuf Nurkic out for at least two weeks with a leg fracture, and obviously with a leg fracture, especially with a big man, that can always be kind of some tricky business. You remember JaVale McGee ended up missing almost the entire season um, with kind of a similar kind of deal. What, what are your thoughts, I guess, on Yusuf Nurkic in general? Um, anything about that game, his comments, or, or now his injury? I, I, I love that Nurkic said, have a good summer when he beat us. That's totally fine with me. Uh, I want a good rival. Like, I, I'm kind of tired of this. Um, after the game, oh, those guys play really hard. You know, um, <laughs> sops that you get from other, play, from other teams right. talking about how, you know, it's nice to play you. You guys are pretty talented. You'll be great later. I don't want that. I want to have a team that comes to town, and you hate them, and you boo the whole time. And you guys, you know, that's great. So, great. Make that be the Trailblazers. People wanted it to be the uh, the Timberwolves, but the Timberwolves haven't been able to figure it out yet. So, yeah. if it's the Trailblazers, then it's the Trailblazers. We're going to play them a lot. So, that's fine with me. Yeah, have a, have a good summer was the verbal equivalent of uh, setting the ball on our chest, basically, the way he did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was just, uh, here you go. Thanks for playing, you know. He gave us, no. he gave us the Markeith Morris. Um, exactly, and it's so and it's so Nurkic, and that's uh, so I'm fine with that. That's who he is, and and I like that. It's I, I hope it raises the the ire of the fans, and so that they are willing to come out and you know treat it like a rivalry game. That'll be great. We're we're going to need some of that going forward. Agreed. Because if you don't have a lot of chance to go deep in the playoffs for a couple of years, and we probably don't, we're not likely to be a top three seed next year unless you know somebody pulls off a Jimmy Butler and sign Paul Millsap in free agency kind of a thing. Yeah, um, even then, it's you know. Even then, it's. I mean, it's you're trying to get past the Rockets just for the three seed, man. Like it's gonna be a it's gonna be a rough haul. Yeah, and you got to make those so, pieces fit, right? So. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you got time. So the the first steps are to get into the back end of the playoffs and start understanding what it's like to beat people who want to beat you, as opposed to people who are just playing. Right. You right. know, and so we, if you can get a rival and you can go ahead and have those games where it matters tonight and you have to get up for it, great, do it. I was I was really I was getting ready to write an article even for us as the eighth seed of the team that nobody really wants to play after what we'd done to both you know San Antonio and Golden State and and I yeah I had to had to tuck that one away for maybe next year or something yeah so. maybe, yeah. maybe uh, <laughs> <laughs> shit it's uh, the lives of a Nuggets of a Nuggets fan and Nuggets blogger well and so I look I think um, you know so when they lose to Portland it's and it's, it's, it's a pretty crushing blow, right? But they, I thought, even in my head, there was still like this idea. I was like, well, they've still got a chance. They're, they're going to pretty much have to run the table now. Or maybe they can lose a game. Maybe they could lose two games. Now they, they lose to Charlotte and, and also not lost. And there should be the fact that Portland picks up the road win uh, against Houston, which I think most people have penciled, hey, Portland's going to lose a game, drop two games, which is what they needed at least to drop. I think everybody kind of had that Houston one. This pencil bin is one of them. That doesn't happen. <sighs> that loss to Charlotte is, uh, to me, is really the backbreaker. That brutal. Um, and it's like I, I don't know what I don't know what happened there with the bench. It was one of the main things I noticed from that game. I think, I think every single starter was in double figures, and not a single bench player was. Um, Mike, what did you? I mean, what did you notice about the bench, or do you think that they were, maybe I'm just looking too much into it? I don't think so. I think I think you're dead on. Um, and and I thought Malone called it out well after the game last night as well. Um, you know, 
I, I think he was counting on uh, Wilson to to stay hot off of the bench there and, and replace those yeah. those Barton points and minutes and and for whatever reason. Um, Will did not have a great night last night. He he really seemed to struggle. Um, you know, Mason Plumley, who uh, just has has had some really fine moments since coming over, uh, did not have what you know did did not have a good game last night. And and so um, you've got the two guys who are vets there. And and I thought even rather specifically called out post game by Malone as a you know they, we just didn't have it there. Um, playing with you know a couple of a couple of young guys who are still uh, finding their way in ups and downs and and last night everybody who came in um, on the second team rolled the dice and everybody came up short and um, it just man it really was a noticeable drop off the second that bench came in right yeah exactly both and at both times right because so first of all in, in the second quarter yeah uh, the Nuggets I think they built up a little leader maybe they were tied. Right at the at the end of the first quarter, but then they they rolled into that second quarter and um and, and they ended up falling behind when that bench came in, but they they were able to recover and it wasn't so bad and they actually got up ahead and then the starters got back. Jokic another triple double had another great game. Um, also got you know got a big game from Gary Harris again uh, and, and Gallo and Freed give you what, what you need, but then that bench comes back in at the fourth quarter and they have that ridiculous run to start. I mean they were up by eight start the fourth quarter and they let uh, I think they, I think it was maybe 12 straight points that the, the Hornets score in the, in the fourth to start the fourth quarter um, all, all up against that bench and, and, and you're right man Mike I, you know I, Mason Plumley, especially has been a guy he's been in the past couple of games he's really kind of struggled yeah um, when the nuggets have needed him the most and it's it's really interesting because he's a guy that the nuggets have to make a decision on here uh, in the offseason about what they really want to do and I think uh, they're they're almost they're, with how good Nurkic has been. They almost are forced to uh, re-sign Plumlee because they can't say, "Hey, we just traded this guy Yusuf Nurkic, who's just killing it with Portland for for nothing uh, for a three-month rental of a backup center on a year we didn't even make the playoffs." That would be that, there's no other way to slice it. That would be considered a bust of the trade. Right. Um, and for to be able to consider a trade a bust three months after it happens is um, it's tough. Yeah, it's, I, yeah, I mean, I, good, right? no, I, and I and I like I like Plumlee's game. I like his attitude. I I like how he fits in. I mean, I I certainly hear why people are screaming about this Nurkic trade, but that isn't what we were getting from Nurkic, right? I mean, that yeah, isn't exactly. that isn't how that was going for us. And and so you you needed to make a switch. You put yourself in a position to play the same way all the way through a game, and and it's been so interesting because it looked so positive for so long. And and now uh, you're making a great point, Zach. It's 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 uh, if if he plays this way the last six or seven games out of the season, it puts the team in a really interesting spot to say, how how much are we on the hook for to make sure this continues to work this way? You know, right, right. How much? Are we the other problem they're spend? having. The other problem they're having is uh, Plumlee needs a point guard, and we don't have a bench point guard because they won't play Moutier. Yeah. I mean, last night Weird. they played Murray 17, 18 minutes in a row to end the game instead of putting Moutier in. Right, so, right. Jameer Nelson gets hurt, right? And then they right. still end up not going with Moutier. That they, was interesting. They would, not what, and, but the problem is I can't say it means anything because Malone does this all the time. He'll play Will Barton for 22 minutes in a row and Jameer Nelson That's for true. 20 and Chandler for the last 18 of the 
of the first half plus or the second half plus overtime. Like it, it, he doesn't think about bench rotations. It's not on him. So because he doesn't consider it, I don't. I can't say it's a message because he's done this to everybody all year. We've been griping about it all year about the fact that he expects people to be able to step up in the second half and and light it up when they you know he's played them the whole time. And how does now? How does it fair? Like, sorry, Gordon. How how, how does a coach get better at that? I mean, how how do you how? I, you know, um, I, I know how players work their way into improving their skill sets. How does a how does a coach improve his rotations? Because that has certainly been something that's that's been called out a lot over these couple seasons, right? I think well, some of it. I think some of it's external. Like I think he has to. Uh, he's or he's been given this incredibly tough task because he's got about like twelve guys who who deserve minutes. So I, I think if, if if maybe there was only like uh, it was a more clear cut nine or ten guys um so maybe you're only there's only one guy you got to really worry about oh this guy's gonna be a little bit pissed off because he's not getting minutes um you have three or four guys that aren't getting minutes that think that they should and rightfully would on on other teams i think it gets real hard to come up with some um, quality rotations because it's it's that's a good portion that's at least 25 percent of your locker room that's pissed off yeah so I think that's some of it. And then also, I don't know, maybe experience. I guess, Gordon, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I guess first you'd have to see it as a problem. I don't know that he does. Um, you know, I mean, if he can just say, well, that guy just didn't give it to me at the end, and I went with him and he, and he went me down, so next time I'll go with somebody else. I mean, if that's his way of letting somebody fail him, that's that's a bad way to, you know, get to somebody and say, well, now I'm going to take your minutes next game because somebody else needs it because you didn't come through for me. I'm getting a little worried about uh, what kinds of things he's doing with his rotations. Now, at the, for the Hornets, I mean, they had um, Kemba played like the entire second half. He didn't sit down for a minute. Okay, yeah. but Kemba's Kemba's you know been in the league a while. He's in his you know what late twenties by this point, so you know he's pretty prime. He should understand how to do what he is necessary for his team. You know, we're doing it with random benchies, not starters, and we're doing it with, you know, kids or say, whoever. Kemp Walker's also a stud of a player, man. Like that. Uh, yeah. That, that goes in. You can play. You play a guy that many minutes uh, in a row because he's uh, he's your best player on your team. You know, eighty um, percent of him is still better than hundred percent of your next guy on the on the list. Whereas for Denver, that's not true. Yeah. Eighty percent of any player. Guy, right? Yeah, true exactly. Of, of Jokic, and, and you wouldn't want to. Jokic right. is also, I mean, you can't play him that many minutes for, for a number of reasons. I think you also get, I mean, I think you also get burned by the fact that, you know, to what we were just talking about earlier, you've got guys who are also streaky players, right? So um, you play Will Barton 22 minutes and he lights it up like a candle and, and you're a genius. You know, you play Will Barton for 22 minutes and he's hitting, he's, he's only drawing iron. Um, it's, it's a problem and, and it's got to be tough simultaneously. Uh, with with to your point, Zach, you know, twelve bullets in the gun instead of ten, or however you end up looking at those rotations to go back and say, okay, which of these guys is hot, and which of them, if I recognize they're not, do I yank off the floor after you know four minutes, basically. So it's it's a real crapshoot for him in a lot of ways as well. Right. Well, yeah, that's um, yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it's going to be one of the most interesting things to look at, uh, Coach Malone. And where I want to, I will tell you what, I want to get into that because I want to get into Coach Malone and um, 
and, and kind of him, we'll talk about him. I want to talk about the Nuggets offseason in general. Um, so tell you what, we'll go ahead. We'll take a break here real quick, and then um, we'll come back. We'll go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll get a little a little discussion going as far as, as the Nuggets and their offseason. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Pickaxe Podcast. I am Zach Nikosh. I am joined this week by Mr. Gordon Gross and then Mr. Mike Olson, all the way from California. Gordon's just from Colorado Springs, so. Just. Yeah, not that. Just, yeah. (laughs) Actually, you know, I grew up in Colorado Springs. It's a very pretty area. I love the Springs. So when we when we uh, when we hit the break there, we were starting to talk about a little bit about the Nuggets offseason. We were talking about Coach. Um, I, I want to touch back on Coach here in a little bit, but I think if we're talking about the Nuggets offseason um, and what they're going to do now, now if we're basically assuming okay, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. Uh, so so that taking that into account, I think that I mean the biggest the biggest offseason decision to make right away is going to be what they do with Daniel Gallinari, who's got the option to opt out of his contract. Um, all indications are that he will do that. And uh, the Nuggets, though, also should have an option opportunity to resign him. I mean, Gallo hasn't given uh, any, any sort of indication that he doesn't want to come back. Uh, he's given, in fact, given quite the indications that he actually loves loves living in Denver and wants to stay here long term. So, um, his, dad, his dad, his agent, had a couple of um, things at the deadline that he said about Gallo. That made me doubt that a little bit. But, yeah, Gallo publicly to Italian media and here has been very complimentary of Denver and very willing to resign for the right price. Right, yeah, and that's I think that's that's the key the key statement there is for the right price. And I have this feeling that for the Nuggets, their right price is probably a few million less than Gallinari's right price. Mike, what about you, man? What do you think they should do? Do you think they should um, – I mean, let's say it's going to cost you twenty million a season to to re-sign Gallo. Do you think they do that, or do you think they the Gallo's probably got played his last games in Nuggets uniform? You know, um, I I have wrestled with this one a ton. Um, I I am a I'm a huge Gallo fan, um, and I I think out of everybody out of the vets that I would probably try to hang on to, um, and it all boils down to whether or not 
to your point, team and player can come to an agreeable right price. Um, I hang on to Gallo. I mean, he he generates points even when he's not putting the ball in the hoop. Um, he tends to uh, he tends to complement the rest of what's going on on the floor pretty well. Um, and you know, right now you're sitting in a spot where a lot of your salaries, because you're so youth focused, are not really costing you nearly so much. So, you know, in terms of what you don't have to commit salary-wise, I don't think Gallo is that big an ask, basically. I do think that there are other vets coming down the pipe that that impacts a lot differently. Um, but but if it were me and, and uh, Army of One here, I would probably do everything I could to get Gallo back in the fold. Um, I would I would question some of the other vets. Yeah, you know what, Mike and I, I tend to agree with you in my heart for what, for what I think, what I would like to see the best, because I think um, all of us would agree that the Nuggets are going to have to somehow thin out uh, the number of guys that they have, number of vets that they have who are deserving of minutes, uh, kind of like we were talking about before, but don't just don't have the, the space uh, in the rotation for them. And the, the thing is, of course, Gallo makes is the easiest one to part from because he's got a player option which stops out. You don't, you don't resign him. You're done. Um, but I think he's also the guy that if you can keep, if you have a choice of who to keep, you probably want to keep him the best. I think he fits the best um, next. Believe it, believe it or not, I think he's probably the best fit next to uh, next to Nikola Jokic of anybody on um, of, of offensively. Any of their offensively, yeah, offensively, yeah. right? Exactly. Great point. Defense, defensively, it's tough. It's hard. Another one. I guess we're probably Wilson Chandler would be right. The guy defensively, you think is, is your best. I player. haven't. I haven't noticed that. Yeah, yeah. It's there's nobody really good. That's I have, and and then I haven't, and then I have, and then I haven't, right. and, and that's the yeah. problem. Exactly. It depends on. It kind of depends. It's. Uh, and again, because it's everybody, I don't think it's. I don't think it's necessarily just on them. Like, it, right. it's everybody. The whole team plays terrible defense together. They're yeah. just bad at it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so that's the one thing, and so I guess if you've got all these, Gordon, you've got all these veterans. Um, Chandler, Fareed, Barton, Gallo. Um, like I said, they're going to do some thinning. I think everybody expects that. And I, I would say if you're going to keep Gallo, uh, then you're probably trading a Chandler, a Fareed, a Barton, maybe maybe two of those guys um, at the draft, right? Because the draft will happen right before free agency yeah. happens. Um, so that's when you would make that move. Do you think wh- – who do you think is back, I guess, next season? Do, would you, do you think Gallo's big – is gonna be resigned, or do you think maybe all, they move on all from year. one of the All year, man, I've I've been on the Danilo Gallinari is going to be resigned for better or worse train. So yeah. I'm not off that train now. Gallo, I seems to be the guy who fits here best, who likes it here best. Um, hey, and let's my be issue, honest. Out of all of their veterans, he is the best player. He's the best one. He's the best player. Yeah. People are like, well, he's not an all-star. Okay, well, he's a borderline all-star usually. Um, my issue is still health. He, I mean, what, the guy's played more than 70 games, what, once in the last eight years? Something like that. It's usually yeah. 60, 50. Yeah, so right where he was at this year. Right, yeah, he's like, he's going he's gonna to play 60, you know, 60, 62 games this year. Um, and that's that's fine, but then you don't, if he's only going to play 75% of your games, you only want to pay him 75% of his salary. Like I can't, I can't have you here cho- to- taking up all this space if you're not making the money. If they want to re, if they want to front load it, because we don't have any money to pay for the next two years. If they want to front load well, his salary, I guess another guy, another guy we can throw into this conversation too is uh, 
The only other guy they really got to pay salary to right, would be Mason Plumley. Yeah, yeah. Right. But, but Mason also, you know, after the end of this year as a backup being terrible, um, I'm curious as to what his market value is going to be as a restricted free agent. Right. Um, so my hope is to still sign him for, you know, 12 or 13 million a year and not 15, 16 million a year. But yeah, with, the problem is, though, too, is that the center, the free agent market for centers is actually pretty thin. So there, there's somebody out there who could uh, who could make that crazy offer. The good thing going for the Nuggets is you're right, Gordon. They've got the space. They don't really have to pay anybody yet. They're going to have to here in the upcoming next couple of years. Right. Um, so they could – they're not susceptible to that poison pill uh, contract because there's nobody who can come out with a front-loaded contract you know, for Mason Plumlee. Uh, right. Like, for example, if you wanted to try and re-sign, if, if the uh, Blazers had a, re, uh, a restricted free agent, this might be something that happens with Yusuf Nurkic after next season, um, somebody could come out and front-load, offer a front-loaded contract that makes it tough for that, that team to re-sign while they're cash-strapped. And then uh, and on the back end, of course, it's not as bad. Like that, that's not going to happen, though, for, for the Nuggets. Yeah, that, the Nuggets exactly. That's not something spend. the Nuggets have to worry about. They've got all the cash. Um, I've always thought this year that of, of Barton, Chandler, and Gallo, you can really only have one of them back. Um, the problem is, is that Barton helps the bench out by giving them somebody who at least is willing to score. It's not always making the best choices in scoring. Barton is, is certainly there and willing to drive the agenda, which is great. I just – the problem is the, the spot that he fills is the spot that either Murray or Beasley should be filling soon – so if you re-sign him, it makes it very hard for them to go ahead and take that role. Right. Um, so for me, I'm guessing it's going to be Gallo. Uh, the Gallo will be back, and Barton and Chandler would both be traded uh, this summer. I could see that, and I could. The other guy you got to top put in the conversation when you're thinking about how, how you clear out spaces, of course, Wancho, um, because I think he's shown uh, that he deserves minutes, and that the kind of you kind of his development curve right now kind of demands. All right. Now, next season, he should be a regular rotation player. Probably not a starter, um, but at least a regular rotation player. So I think you've got to move on. If I were going to say, um, I think there, I think Wilson Chandler, it, there's just been too much this season, um, too much contention, too much uh, upset with his role or consistency or wishing he'd been traded, all these different little things that have happened over the season. Um, whereas a guy like uh, Kenneth Fareed, who you had thought at the beginning of the season might be susceptible to sort of stuff like that, has actually, by all accounts, been a pretty much been a good soldier. He's he, he's also dealt with some inconsistencies in his role, um, but he's he's always been he's bringing the energy still off the bench right now. Um, last night he started, uh, which I think is what Fareed wants, and he's he's a pretty he's offensively. Again, offensively, he's a pretty good starter next to Jokic and Gallinari. In that front this like team, that. this team gets out like gangbusters when it's Fareed, Jokic, Gallo, um, Harris, and Harris, and, and, and then, then whoever's Murray running the one. Yeah. Right. yeah, but whoever whoever's running the one, like that team comes out on fire, which is great. Um, so they got to find a defensive second unit to back that up. Well, and I think, I mean, I think the thing that's craziest about all of this, I, I would have been very much on the trade for Reed train at the beginning of the year. I, I, I mean, I like what he brings, but I, he didn't seem like he was ever going to do the sixth man thing very well. And, and he just, it was, there was not enough dimension to his game for a lot of what I was seeing that I thought, you know, let's. Let's cash in on what that offers some other team and and bring something back that fits a little better. And 
and I've done a 180 on that by the end of the year, um, pretty much out of the four guys we're talking about there in terms of, you know, Gallo, Chandler, Fareed, and Barton, you know, when you suddenly hinge everything on, on you know, your, your, your new star in Jokic, and, and this is a, okay, this is how we play, you look at those four guys and you say, how does, you know, to both of your points, how does Gallo fit in that system? And, and as a good scorer, um, exceptional passer, uh, willing runner, he, he fits into that very well, and he's also the guy that gets you to the line when nobody's getting the ball down. Um, yep. Fareed, man, he, Fareed has changed his game. I, I see Fareed make passes that I, I, I had no idea that was coming from that guy ever, and, and he just wanders up and down that baseline. He's just terrorizing people in this new system, right? And all of a sudden, then those other two bodies in Chandler and Barton, you start to go, oh, I, I like both their games. I like the way they play. But in terms of, you know, Barton tends to be a little bit more ISO. You know, Chandler uh, can just be very hit and miss and and has had a tumultuous season. And and suddenly it's like, wow, I, I didn't expect it, but I totally agree. I think those are your odd men out if that's the way it goes. Yeah, I would um, like I, I would say that I totally agree with that, and I think really Barton and Chandler. When you talk about their like Barton, you get those good things. He's that spark plug off the bench, that scoring off the bench when he's on. But he has too many games we've seen this season when he's not on, and even Gallows when he's on, somewhat susceptible to that as well. And then you look at a guy like Wilson Chandler. He's that great guy. He fits great as that perimeter defender, but when he really wants to put in that effort, and I think there's just too much. Um, as we know, like you said, there's just too much, too much of a tumultuous season, too much uh, disgruntledness there from from Chandler about roles and, and, and minutes and everything. So it's just you, you kind of have to. I think, I think you move on from him just because it's um, it's easier that way. Which is too yeah, bad. He, you got to find someone. You got to find someone to take him, which is the other the other half of that equation. Yeah, but I mean, he's he's got value. I'm not. I, he doesn't have the value that they were asking for him at the at the trade deadline. You know, he don't, he doesn't have top ten in this draft kind of value, but he's got value. Yeah. Sure. Um, I mean, if if Plumlee got a, a late first rounder, then he can get a late, he can get a twenty plus first rounder. That's fine. Right. Um, yeah. Exactly. My thing with my thing with them is that you know the last thing on those guys, I I really like them all individually and in certain circumstances. Like I think Chandler's a good player. I think Barton's a good player. I think Gal is a good player. They don't complement each other. Yeah. They. Yeah. They don't bring each other's games up to a new level. They don't help each other when they're on the court. They just do what they do. And so when you're trying to put together a team, you want people who are additive. You want them to to combine and make something better when they're all on the court together, and that's not happening um, this whole year. It's, it's, not, it's just not happening with those guys. So if they're just going to do what they do, then that's terrific. They have a role, but they can't help you really get better than what you are right now. Yeah, and I, I agree, and I, so I think we all are kind of on the same page here. There's going to be some changes one way or another to this roster. Um, let me ask you this: uh, Is there any is there any free agents out there who you're thinking, hey, maybe this is a guy we might um, we might consider? Because when I so I guess I mean when I first look at it, because when we talk about all these guys, like I said, I, if in my in my dream scenario, they they probably move on from Will Barton and, and Wilson Chandler, and then they um, they end up keeping Gallo and keeping Fareed. And I think the, what I would want to do there is, is now that they, they, there was a lot of, there was a lot of talk about uh, Paul Millsap and, and um, 
trying to go after, yep. trying to go after in a trade, right? And but one of the one of the things that made me hesitant about that was the fact that hey, Paul Millsap's going to be a free agent. So now he is a free agent. Uh, it makes you kind of think, well, perhaps this is a guy who who the Nuggets go after. Um, well, you saw how Atlanta fell apart without Millsap. Like yeah. right. Millsap got injured and Atlanta face dived off a cliff. Like he is the guy that held that team together. Yeah, um, and, and, and he's well, and he's such a Paul Millsap is probably one of, I think one of the most underrated defenders uh, yep. in in the NBA. And so the Nuggets do so desperately need defense. The um, Nuggets would have made the playoffs if they traded Fareed for Millsap this year. That's just yeah, how absolutely. that would have gone. But what I love right here is you have the opportunity, I think, to get not only get Millsap, but you can keep Fareed. And so Fareed can still yep. be that energy guy off the bench. And then you still have – you add Millsap, I think, to that starting lineup with Gallo, with Jokic, with Gary Harris, and what, what I would assume will probably be Jamal Murray. Um, and suddenly I think that that's a, it's a team that can survive on defense. They're not going to be great. They're not going to be a, a lockdown uh, team. But I think you've got the, the potential there. Um, so that would certainly be a guy I would look at. All you want to Mike. do on defense with this team is, is stop penetration, honestly. Yeah. Like, like, if you can stop guys from getting a free run to the to the hoop all the time, you've got a shot. And that gives Jokic a chance to come over. And Millsap is perfect for that denying sort of defense. He'd be great for that. Yeah, it's more of a right, funneling Mike. principle, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about, Mike, what about you, man? Is, what, are there, like, is there any, any free agents you're, you're thinking maybe the Nuggets should, should be trying to target? You know, I'm uh, I'm I'm with you on the Millsap front. Um, I think I think out of all the puzzle pieces I see out there, he's probably the most enticing. Um, I uh, you I've never made a secret of it on the site, but I'm not the world's biggest uh, Mark Kisla fan, and so I hate to be in agreement here. But boy, you know, if if somehow we could turn around and and uh, pluck Gordon Hayward, um, he had an article about that this last week. Uh, I also that'd be a really interesting piece we'd we'd be an interesting team with hayward on i think you oh, if you so if you're great getting hayward right but so you're not you're probably get... not you're not probably keeping probably not keeping gallo in that sort of scenario right i i would i would imagine that's true um although i've you know i've liked watching gallo at times at the four as well so it it depends on how you switch things around in that case yeah I, it's true you could um you could play Gallup for that. That would be an interesting scenario. I don't know. I think defensively, you still have some issues there. Huge um, liability Gordon, on defense. Yeah, <laughs> totally yeah. fair. <laughs> Gordon, what, what about you, man? Any uh, anybody you're, you're looking at? Like I said, Millsap's my guy. I I would love for that guy. People are going to complain about his age, but I expect him to work just like Zach Randolph and play great for however long. And if he has to take a, a bench role when he in, by the end of the contract, that's okay with me. He'll be an amazing bench player for this team when we're winning a championship. That's fine. Sure. <laughs> um, but as far as as far as the rest, like I don't I don't trust any of the free agent point guards to understand that it's Jokic's team. So that's our point guard dilemma is only going to get worse if we can't raise one up from inside the team, because it's really hard to tell a point guard who's since he was in junior high, you know, it's always been his team and he runs it and he holds the ball all the time to say give it to the center. The center's better than you at this. It's, that's, he, that's, that's fair. Tough. That's fair. I think you almost you almost have to um, just go with Jamal. It, to me, I would almost like yeah, I would I would go with Jamal. I would see where you're at with Moutier. Yep. Because um, you still have Jameer on the team as well, and I, so I would probably be telling Jameer like, "Look, Jameer, you're we're we're, we're 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 thinking about the future here. I'm sorry, this is the way it is, but so we're we're, we're starting Jamal. We're starting the kid, uh, and, and and you'll still be the backup, but no." 
we still want to know what we have in Emmanuel Moutier, so there's a good chance that you're you're right now you're you're coming into training camp as the backup point guard, um, but your job is certainly one that um, you know you have to that there's going to be some competition for. Well, and yeah, couple, I would expect that. We already got the big fat. A couple other names that you guys yeah. can see kind of what your thoughts are on some of these free agents. So let's start let's start off with a big one that nobody nobody's been talking about, but uh, you, I think if you look at the Nuggets right now, um, the one spot where you look at okay, they definitely could improve outside of their internal or outside of their roster right now. The one spot it would be starting power forward. We talked about Paul Millsap. Um, Gordon, let me ask you first, man. What do you think about the idea of, of Blake Griffin uh, signing with the Denver Nuggets? Um, I mean, Blake's great. He's not any better at defense than Fareed. But it's true. It, I mean, uh, and Blake doesn't have the kind of hops that Fareed still has anymore. Blake had them, and then Blake's knees blew out on him, and now Blake doesn't doesn't do that. But he's a, he's a better player than Fareed. Don't get me wrong. Like Blake, Blake would be good. Blake would be a, a very very good player for this team. Is he a, um, is he a better player in this system? Well, that, and that's the question. Is uh, the problem that that the Clippers have right is that they have too many guys who don't have the right length yep. to defend correctly, yep. and they have too many guys who need to do the same things on the court. And so when you play um, Chris Paul and uh, DeAndre together, you get one set of skills. And you play Chris Paul and um, Blake Griffin together, and you get a different set of skills. But you can't play all three of them together because then they're all at the same spots on the floor. Right. Um, it causes so, problems. I actually, I think I think Blake fits pretty well within this office because he he's a he's a good passer himself. Um, he is. He, you're right. You're right, Gordon. He's not. Uh, he's not as athletic as more, anymore as he used to be. I mean, he's not going to be jumping Kias anymore. Uh, he still though can finish above the rim, so he can do those those alley oop cuts that uh, Fareed does with Jokic that works so well. And he's got um, and he's got range at least out you know, a mid range jumper that's fairly reliable. So I think he would be a good fit. I think he's going to cost. He's going to cost a max contract despite him being uh, yes. probably not not a, at this. He didn't have at least one of his best years. I would expect him to be a max contract, and I'm still wondering if he finds a way to get to OKC if they can work that roster out. Mm-hmm. Since yeah, he's I, since he went to school there, since that was I mean that's home. Well, I, I could very much it's, it's yeah yeah, and him and Westbrook together would be amazing. So I I still feel like don't ask me how they're going to work that roster situation, but I still feel like that. That that would be where he would go. But let me ask you guys another. I want, I want another forward. This is probably probably a small forward. Um, what do you think, Gordon, about Otto Porter Jr.? I love Otto. You're never getting him, but I, I love his yeah. death. So see, because we were talking about max contracts, and so that's the thing. Otto, he's so he's a restricted free agent, which means the Wizards can match any any offer um, right. that he gets. So I would think the only way you have a, a, a are in the conversation of hey, this guy actually might come to our team. Is if you are getting um, giving Otto probably close to max, maybe even having to give him that max deal, um, is that something you would do? Well, the problem that you run into is not whether he's worth it. It's what happens if you offer a max. <clears throat> they have ten days to match that, so you can't do anything on the market right. for ten days. So you're stuck. You'd better believe that he's not going to sign with them. Or you're you're you've handcuffed yourself while everyone else is making deals and there's nothing left for you. Um, so I I would be a little leery of doing that just for the time frame point of view, but also because the Wizards um, came alive this year once they figured out how to make Beal and um, Wall work together, 
You know, I mean, Scotty Brooks did a great job out there, and with Otto Porter, they've made they're they're going to make a very serious impression in the playoffs, I expect. And yeah. so at that point, management's going to have to pay him. You can't let him go then. That's they're going to be in the same situation Portland's going to be in with Nurkic soon, where you your fan base will like you know attack you with pitchforks and, and torches <laughs> if you decide that you're not going to bring that back for just because of money. So you're going to have to bite the bullet. And, my opinion. And, and I know we don't operate in this sort of a vacuum, but if you then were just to straight up say Porter or Millsap and you, you just had the option, who would you grab? I'd probably go with, uh, well, if I, could, if I could have either one, I'd probably go Porter just because he's younger. He's a lot younger. Um, and so he's like, I think more of a, I think Paul Millsap is, is a deal for, for you're trying to help this young core realize what it takes to get to the playoffs and what it takes to win in the playoffs. Um, and, and that's where he helps you, and then you find someone either through the draft or somewhere else to replace him maybe three, uh, three or so years, years down the road. Whereas Otto Porter is a guy you're signing, uh, think about long-term, he's, uh, he's one of your integral pieces towards winning a championship. So if I had my choice and I got either one, that's probably where I'd go. Though not operating in a vacuum, I think in the chances of signing Paul Millsap, which are still not great, are still far greater then your chances of signing auto porters. So Agreed. that's probably uh, that's the way I would look at that. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anybody else because I, I don't think maybe you know maybe you look at uh, improving the point guard position. I guess if you if you really want to move on from Moutier, um, but I don't know if there's any other any other big free agents that I wanted to talk about there. Uh, real quick, uh, I guess real quick touch on the draft. Um, Gordon, anybody? I, you're uh, you're big on the kid out of Indiana, right? OG Ananobi, that's my guy. I don't care that he's on one leg right now. Um, that guy's better defender on one leg than most everybody is on two. Like, for what we need as a guy who can defend the three and the four, who can do the things that Chandler used to do before his his hip injury slowed him down a little. Yeah, I absolutely. Uh, OG is is has the potential to be basically Kawhi light. If you've ever watched that kid play defense, it's astounding. So I would really love to get a defender in this draft. Um, I want Josh Jackson like no tomorrow, but Josh Jackson is going to go top three. So unless we, he might go go one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on who needs a point guard and what's going on. So really, unless we get a top three pick, we would have to, we'd have to win a lottery thing. That's never happened in Denver's history. For that to happen, so scratching that guy out, um, I like Miles Bridges, who's kind of um, Vince Carter esque, I suppose. Right. You know, there's some guys in this draft that are going to be great. Like I, 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 I'm stoked about this draft. One of the reasons I want to drop out of the playoffs if we're not going to make it and just tank with the kids is because seriously, this this draft could help us find that piece. I don't know that we will, but this could be very helpful. Mike, what about you? Um, I, I'll be the first to say that I don't pay enough attention to this topic. <laughs> so um, I, I tend to get all of my data um, both from uh, reading stiffs and and just uh, paying attention to who's out there. Um, I, I was not familiar with OG until um, I was following uh, Gordon one day and, and went out and watched a lot of tape and was pretty blown away by at least what the possibilities are there. Um, Miles Bridges also stood out to me um, very much. Um, somebody was talking the other day about um, Isaac, right? 
Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan Isaac. And I and I mean he's I just I don't think he slides as far as we're going to be in the draft. He he seems just impressive as as heck to me. But um, I've got a feeling he's going to go a little earlier than we're going to get a chance to to pick him. Right. So uh, I don't know. But those are the guys. At least I agree. I think I think um, you know we were just talking about who we'd bring in as free agents. I, I also think that's where you at least try to do a little shoring up. Uh, draft-wise, as you still stick in that power forward space, um, you know, uh, I there's there's a kid out here that I've watched a little bit just because of being in the LA area, uh, TJ Leaf. Um, he seems yeah. to have some potential, um, but I I I don't know how well he meshes into what it looks like the Nuggets are headed towards, basically. Let me give you a, let me give you guys a name that uh, that I've become kind of intrigued with uh, just lately. Is uh, he's actually a kid out of Germany. His name is Isaiah Hartenstein. Hartenstein. I'm yep. not sure how to pronounce it, but he's uh, I think he's interesting because he he kind of is a little insurance. Um, again, the draft happens before free agency. He's a little bit of a Mason Plumley insurance in case you can't hmm. uh, you can't bring Mason back. He kind of does a lot of the similar stuff. Good, long, long kid, um, athletic, uh, unpolished as, as all rookies are, but. He's kind of a guy I've had my eye on, and he's got that. He's got the length to be um, a guy who can play power forward. Who I think he can play next to Jokic, but also has the length to be uh, that rim protector that Jokic probably can never be, and the athleticism. He, he's not really. Sorry, Hartenstein's a, a lot like if if Nurkic could have played the four, right? That is what you're getting with Hartenstein, and so. If you're trying to make that giant big lineup work, then Hartenstein might be the guy who can pull it off. The problem is if he can't pull it off, then you have the exact same problem you had with Nurkic, yeah. which is a guy can only play 15 minutes a game. Right. Yep. So like, like, and that's yeah, it's kind of a gamble too. Like I said, so you'd have to. The thing is, is he could you maybe you just you know you just say hey, he's just we want him to be a backup, uh, the backup center. Like I said, he could be that guy if you don't. If you're having concerns, um, whether whether internally or you think there's just going to be somebody who's going to throw crazy money at Mason Plumley, right? No, I agree. As a, as a backup situation. plan for Mason Plumley, that's actually pretty good. All right, so um, let's see one more thing. Let's let's talk about one more thing here in the off season, um, and then we'll 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 wrap up, kind of just talking about the season overall. Um, I keep having this segment in my podcast about looking ahead in the playoffs, and I don't think it works. <laughs> but uh, so what jinx in us. I see how this that's works. That's what it is. Exactly. We always end up going long, and I, I said I've dedicated myself. We'll do. We'll, we'll make them shorter this time. So, tell you what, we'll, we'll, I want to talk about Coach Malone here, uh, and then we'll just kind of talk about the season in general, and then we'll close it out. But um, so one of the things we, we talked about right before the break was his coach and, and how his, his rotations have been frustrating, and whether or not he's a guy. who is that something you can learn to get better at? And I, so I guess, Gordon, I want to get straight to the point, man. Do you think, first of all, do you think Coach is back next season? And um, how much, how hot will his seat be if he is back? Um, yes, I think he's back next season. The kids are doing too well for him not to be back. His, his main purpose is to be able to find stars and raise the next generation of this team. And he's done it. So that, I, you know, on that objective scale, how do you tell him, nope, you can't come back after two years? Right. So I expect him to be back next year. Um, I, I think next year it's playoffs or bust. If he doesn't make the playoffs with three years of having Jokic, then he's going to be gone. That's just how that goes. 
Yeah, unless there's some crazy external um, circumstance, like you know, you know, God forbid, but if Jokic were to get injured, sure, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we're going, you know, there's always the chance that half the team, like you know, comes down with Ebola, and you know, you have an issue. But as far as Ebola, as far as you, you had to, you had to go straight to Ebola. I'm going, okay, I'm going all right, to Ebola. wow, geez, go go long, but, man. Um, as far as as far as the team goes, like it, Malone, his contract is guaranteed for three years. There's a fourth year option. Um, so I, he, next year is fully guaranteed and I expect him to play it out. Uh, and then they'll see where he's at. I mean, that's, that's how this team was set up. You want to give your coach who's changing, he, you know, year one was changing the culture. Year two was finding the stars and raising them up. Year three is going to have to be making the playoffs. Like that's, that's where that goes. Yep. yep. Mike, what about you? What do you think? Could, could not agree more. And I think, um, I think honestly in ways he's, he's, uh, set himself up for that. Right. I mean, uh, we, we have all until this last week, uh, seen the playoffs firmly back in sight. We would be having a very different conversation on this topic. Um, if we had, uh, won these last three games and, and we're sitting a couple games ahead of Portland instead, um, for this last right, slot, right. I think not even having this exactly. I, th- right. I think I think it changes everything there, and and so it it really is a matter of not just a few games, but but honestly, as close as so many of these losses have been this year, it's it's a matter of a few points um, that make the difference between whether or not we're even having this chat. So if yeah. and a few coaching decisions, to be fair, so because of that, that's part of what Malone has to clean up next year. Is you've got to win close games. You can't. They can't all be blowouts. Yeah, and and so they've got to. It's it's got to be maddening um, from his perspective, being you know being stats and metrics focused as well, to be looking at that in terms of I you know I'm so close to being where I need to be, um, and and that's still not happening right at this moment. It's 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 there, and I think all it takes is a couple of steps forward on three or four different fronts for this team. But yeah, I think it's I think it's playoffs or bust for next year for sure. I you know I totally agree with both of you guys, and I think um, what, what kind of gets lost in the fact that okay they're that they they've kind of fallen apart right here in these last few games and they won't make the playoffs is in a standard season they probably wouldn't be make even close to making the playoffs normally. I mean it's not right. It's not typical for it to be the eighth seed to be this you know potentially a team that's going to be under five hundred is going to get that. So I think when I when we at the very beginning of the season we did our season long. Pre- predictions and one of the ones was how many wins will the Nuggets have um, and, and my prediction was 37 which they actually looked like they might pass that they probably will um, maybe it's <laughs> depending on how <laughs> they played these past few seasons they might get to like Please. Yeah. Uh, right but um, they I, I, so I, I kind of think he's right on track and, and, and it's exactly what you said Gordon is okay you had your first season was change the culture they did that second season it was uh, is identify your star players and, and He's, he's done a good job, um, specifically with Nikola Jokic, also with Gary Harris. I don't think the coach gets enough credit for how much Gary or how much better Gary Harris is. Uh, jury's still out on Emmanuel Moutier, but it's not looking good. Jury's still out on Jamal Murray. That's probably you're probably a little bit more optimistic. And then you can also say, okay, Yusuf Nurkic, as far as concerned with the Denver Nuggets, that was a bust. Um, coach couldn't, and as far as coach is concerned, he couldn't make that work. Right. Um, whether that's his fault or not is a discussion for another day. Uh, so I think he's right there, but it's at this point it's now it's like okay we're, we're we were this close to making the playoffs last season. Um, this is that's the next step for us, and I think it could be as simple as just making the eighth seed. What, what's interesting is if, if they had made the eighth seed this year, 
it would have been, I wonder if expectations would have been different for coach next season. Like, okay, now we want you to be a six seed or a five seed and actually have a competitive playoff series, um, which I think would have been really hard to I, achieve. I think honestly. that would have been tough. Yeah. I would think that would have been tough. So it's probably better that it's this way. Right. So this way now, I think he comes in next season. He gets the eighth seed. They get, you right. know, and maybe they play five games, six games against the More Wolves. realistic, anyway. Right. Yeah. Next year, I mean, next year, the eighth seed should be, again, 42 plus wins. So it's going to be a little right. harder. And so yeah, the eight or seven next year, and then you move up. And what I and what Sorry. I love most about Coach, I, I mean, he's definitely got his ups and downs. But what I love most about Coach is he's such a competitor that um, on on the off chance he heard any of us saying he's better off making the eighth seed next season <laughs> instead of this season, I man, he oh he, he would hate that. Yeah, he wants it. He he wants in this year, and he wants to be yep. the six next year. And yeah, he he wants it bad. Yeah, he even mentioned earlier in the season. He even mentioned he he wasn't even happy with the eight seed. He was like, "Everybody's talking about the eight seed. I want to get why 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 just the eight seed? Why can't we get higher?" And, you know, everybody kind of thing was like, "Well, coach, you're about you know ten games behind." Yeah, uh, because maybe like eight games behind. Because right because now. math, coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Also, also, coach, because you didn't start Jokic the whole year. <laughs> but you know, there's that. <laughs> Exactly. Okay, so let me let me ask you this. So one of the one of the biggest coach decisions. Um, well, I guess let, let me ask you guys this first. Uh, we're all in agreement that the, it's pretty much done, right? Was Charlotte was kind of the nail in, nail in the coffin as far as the the playoff hopes? Yeah, yeah. I thought Portland was the nail in the coffin, but yeah, if you want to go to Charlotte, that's that's two nails. I there you go. You know, so uh, uh, it's it's sorry, it, it's it's not statistically impossible, and and Nurkic is hurt, and I think you just missed a real opportunity here as a team. But yeah, it's. Uh, I, I agree with Gordon. Portland, uh, Portland was the end, sadly. Well, and the frustrating part for me with this Nurkic injury is that yes, and now it's possible, and so the Nuggets are going to keep chasing it, uh, which is going to make them make poor decisions for you know. That's a great point. I would like to see some other guys get some options. If you're going to try anything out in the season, now is the time. Like last year at this time, they tried out the Jerkic lineup, which was apparently a terrible idea because they went into this season thinking it could work, <laughs> but even so. <laughs> That's that's right. what you you want to know at this time of year is okay. So what can Beasley give me? What can I rely on from Murray? Can Murray play thirty minutes a point guard and pull it off? Mm-hmm. You know, what, I mean, what, that's when you do stuff like that. Yeah. What but, is how how does Emmanuel Mudiay respond to being benched for the last time? Like, can he you know for these past he's been benched, he's been right. not playing for a couple of weeks. Like, does he still have something in the tank? Is he still going to compete? Exactly. Uh, now when it's pretty much uh, there's nothing left to play for for as far as the season. Yeah, I tend to agree. You know, what? another thing I think I'd like to see them do. Um, is a man. I wouldn't play. I wouldn't play Jokic another game. There's, there's <laughs> I, like, there's no, there's no point. Nothing good can come from playing him anymore. As long, unless, if you're taken in the fact that they, you don't think they're going to make the playoffs, or if you're willing to give up on the playoffs, which I know they're not, so they're still going to play him until the yep. yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, just uh, there's no point. There's nothing good that can be gained at this point from playing. Well, so again, only I bad would... things can happen. Go ahead, Mike. I, I was going to say, but but um, if you want to see what you've got with these other guys, yeah. right, and and you want to see what's there, those guys have to play inside that system. And and I and and sadly, um, system should just have a little equal sign next to it that says Jokic because that that is currently the system, right? If if he's in, we're playing the way we want to play. If he's not, we're not really there. We're trash. We're trash fire. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty much it. Trash fire, <laughs> to put it bluntly. <laughs> um, let me let me ask you this, Gordon. So we, we all kind of, I think we all probably agree that 
that uh, obviously Jokic had a, a hugely successful year, and, and it, because it was so hugely successful, in, in many ways the Nugget season in, in and of itself is a success, even if they don't make the playoffs. Um, one of the guys, though, that I, I like to point out who's also had an extremely successful year, and who I would say outside of Jokic is the next best player uh, or the next best thing to happen to the Nuggets this season, next brightest spot, if you will, uh, would be Gary Harris. Yes. Would you, would you agree you think Gary Harris is that guy or, or maybe somebody else? No, I absolutely think it's, it's Gary Harris. And he – Gary, when he was drafted, uh, I, was, I was glad to see that he was not the main guy that Nurkic was the main guy. And being able to get Nurkic as the main guy made me say, sure, I'll take a throw-in chance on Gary Harris. Well, Gary Harris has taken offense to that, and Gary is busy uh, proving that he is one of the better shooting guards in the league, and he's going to be. And that's that's really great news for a thin position that is hard to fill, that we have it filled with a guy who can score, who can cut, who understands the offense, who isn't a ball hog. Shoots like a percent from three. Yep, shoots like a demon. Yeah, exactly. Is a is a um, plus is a defender. defender. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome. No, seriously, man, it's it, it's it's good. Like I, Gary's Gary's been outstanding, and I'm very happy to um, that they that he has been identified as somebody who will be very very good for us going forward. Um, and I'm sure that uh, there's nothing that uh, the Bulls regret more than trading us Nurkic and Harris. For a uh, guy who's not even on their roster anymore. Correct. For a guy they just got rid of. I was. Yeah, uh, I, I had I had just taken a new job out here when that draft happened, and uh, and the one guy that everybody's sitting around me because there's so many people rooting for so many teams, and one of my office mates is a Bulls fan, and he said, "Man, the one guy that I don't want to have and you don't want to have is is Dougie McBuckets," and and man, we get to that spot and the Nuggets draft. Doug and I just and I'm just laughing. I just got my hands buried in my face, and then that trade happens, and and that was probably that that still might have been the best moment at work I've had in the in the three years that I've been there. Just right. and 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 I bring that up with him. He and I still share an office. I think once a week um, I I bring that up because yeah that that did not work out for them in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's a, it turns out to be a terrible trade, and, and so much just because of. Well, I mean, Nurkic is playing or playing really well for Portland, but so much just because he. I mean, Gary is he's been um, he's been just such a nice uh, nice part of the season, and, and I think he's he's proven that the the Nuggets are the, they have their two guard uh, of the future, and it really opens up that spot now for. And it makes honestly, if, if it doesn't work out with Emmanuel Mudiay. The fact that it did work out with Gary Harris kind of makes that possible so long as it still works out with Jamal Murray, which I think everybody kind of expects to, to have. And right. I, I, that's another guy like, I, I wanted to touch on real quick. Is just, I think Jamal had uh, a successful season as well, even though he didn't have, like, you know, he's, he's not going to win Rookie of the Year. He's, he didn't have this major breakout year where he was scoring tons of points and getting tons of minutes. But unlike Moutier, uh you can see the signs there are all really good, and that he, he, he had those games where he really showed it, that he can, he can, more than anything, he can score um, and be that guy for the Nuggets. Mike, what are your thoughts on Jamal's season? I, I mean, as much as anything, what I really took a bunch of heart in, and, and what I hope happens for Jamal here is, is very similar to what we saw happen with Gary, right? And I mean, Gary didn't get enough play in his first season to really grow or, or do or learn 
uh, much of anything. He was getting the hook pretty fast. And so, you know, last year really was Gary's rookie season. And and watching the time and effort that Gary put in in the offseason um, makes makes what we see out of him this year even sweeter because he just, he really, he poured himself into it. Um, I'd like to see the same from Jamal because I saw a similar arc in what I consider that first season, right, of Gary's. Right. Um, I mean, Jamal really grew this year. He really, he he adapted to the game. Um, he he takes his spots and his moments. He does tend to jump on it when he's when he's streaky hot, and that's exactly what you want out of him. Um, to to Gordon's word about Gary earlier, he's he's a willing defender. I mean, he certainly makes mistakes on that end, but he also he he doesn't make that mistake the next time he comes down the floor. And that's one of my favorite things about Jamal is he just he he tends to seem to really he keys in, he makes his mistakes, he picks up what happened, and and you don't see him doing that two or three iterations down the road. I, I have high right. hopes for him. I think he's really sharp. And he wants to be great. Yeah, and exactly. What I love about Murray is that he re- he really has his eye on greatness, and that, that makes me happy. Um, he's not going to settle. He's not just happy to be here. Yes. Um, I, I want him to go learn how to get fouled more. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, he's, he's a tremendous free throw shooter. He always has been. He really needs to learn how to get fouled. He needs to learn how to, how to go – um, his inside shots better than his three point shot. Weirdly, so <laughs> I'm waiting for that for the three point shot. Well, I'm assuming that what he did over the last off season was work on all the stuff people told me he couldn't do, which is finish around the rim. And he's been great. At, he's been much better at that than I would have expected a rookie to be. So, so if he, um, if he takes that leap, right? I mean, if he if he keeps yeah. working that hard and he takes that leap, and next year you go, wow. He's, I mean, he's still not perfectly polished, but next season you see, yeah, he's definitely a starting point guard in this league. Doesn't that also put us in a position where suddenly, you know, I mean, Emmanuel Moutier, if he takes another step or two forward and he's a really serviceable backup, is that, I mean, how bad did you do in that situation, right? And, and, and that's great, what I'm hoping. The, yeah. Let's say the other guy you, you can put in there um, is Wancho as well, because he looks like, I think he's another guy who looks like uh, has a great future ahead of him, another guy who shoots um, well above average uh, from three-point land and just in general. And so if you if you have that and you have, I think you, you've got, you know, you have Jamal Murray and Gary Harris as your starters. You've got, uh, obviously, Nikola Jokic as your starter as well. And, and those three guys are kind of like your main part of your core and you're supplementing them with a solid backup point guard in Emmanuel Moutier who allows you, who's big enough to where you only have to play three guard. That's your three-guard rotation. You don't have to worry about uh, trying to keep Will Barton. Um, or something like that, and you still have Malik Beasley to be that guy as well. I, I mean, it, it really works out well. I think even even if Moutier doesn't work out, you, you still probably did really well uh, because because you you hey hey you got lucky you found you found a, a star player with forty first pick in the draft, <laughs> um, right? And then and then in Jamal Murray, if he works out because he's he's just got so much ability to score to be that that scorer that everybody needs in the playoffs. Um, I think you, you and and I mean, it's just if you get three, if you hit on three picks in three years, which is essentially what they would be doing if, with Gary, uh, Jokic, and Jamal, that you can't really ask for anything else. Well, and you brought up a couple names that that could easily uh, shore that up, right? I mean, I, I agree that a lot of people have fallen off the Moutier bandwagon, but it's not as if uh, Wancho and Beasley have been slackers in what no. moments they've been able to show this year. So, um, yeah, I, uh, 
prop, props to Tim Connolly, I guess, basically, from my, my uh, perspective. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's, that's the reason he got the big extension, right? Because he, he's drafted very, very well um, throughout his tenure. I think what Eric Green, the very, his very first draft pick, might be the only one who actually didn't really uh, ever work out. I mean, Joffrey didn't, didn't do much. But these are second-round picks. If, if you expect someone to hit on second-round picks every time, it's not going to be. And there's still players who are hanging around the league. Like, you know, Eric Green yeah. almost had another call-up, you know, this year. You have, uh, you know, Joffrey still is still playing. City. Yeah. Or no, did it, get, didn't, didn't Joffrey get traded again? I don't even know where Joffrey is now. <laughs> I, 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 I've, I've erased Joffrey from my memory. Joffrey, Joffrey call us. might be playing for the Bulls. I think that's right. <laughs> that sounds right. Okay. Hold on. I want to look this oh, up. Oh, uh-oh. Zach has no, to look I'm very intrigued. Now. Joffrey Laverne... Uh, who I'm sure is a regular listener to the Pickaxe podcast is going to exactly. be He's crushed by this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, he plays for the Bulls. So he was he was part of that Doug McDermott trade. Um, right. And I forget who else they got. But that's when that, that, that was a long time ago. Almost it seems like it's crazy. It was only actually about a month ago. Um. All right. Well, tell you what, guys. I think that's pretty good. That's a, a pretty solid podcast. So we will wrap it up again. Everybody, I want to remind you that the uh, we're doing the Stiffs Night Out. It's on Tuesday down at the Blake Street Tavern. Uh, we're partnering up with 5280 Sports Network on that one, so make sure to come on down. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I forget who the Nuggets playing that night. It can't be anybody. Uh, Pelicans. Is it the, uh, the Thunder? Pelicans. Oh. Pelicans. Really? Uh, of course, yes. So another. So we'll get to we'll all, we'll all boo, uh, <laughs> boo Boogie Cousins in the brow. Um, when he puts up 40 on us, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We take another loss. Uh, let's, let's hope not. Let's hope not. Let's hope it's an exciting game. And I don't care I don't know, about the I losses. The, the I just Blazers want the kids to play and do well. That's it. That's it. There you go. Yep. There you go. Uh, so tell you what, uh, make sure to follow us all on Twitter. I'm at uh, Zach Nikosh. Mike, you are you're at are you at Visible Mike on Twitter? I am. Yes, sir. There you go. At Visible Mike for Mike Olson. Uh, Gordon is at G Money Nugs. Two G's, one S. No cash symbol. <laughs> Should have done a cash symbol. I don't know what. I don't know if you can, but if you could, you. I think you could probably still change it. You should definitely do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think that would be an upgrade for you. Right. Yeah. There you go. Absolutely. All right. Now, as always, guys, check us out DenverStiffs.com uh, at the Denver on Instagram. And thanks for listening. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you guys next week. Thanks for this, guys. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at DenverStiffs.com. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.